Alright. It's the War Podcast, episode two. Who are you? I, 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 Dylan Avento. That's right. What do you do? I go to school. And you wanna? And I wanna make games. Right. There you go. That's a good start. My name's Mason Brown. And we make up the, uh... Wait, what do you do? I don't know. I work in advertising. And we, uh... What do you wanna do? I wanna make games. So, we... That's stupid. I know. We, um... We talk about games and how we want to make them and what we're making. And other stuff. And whatever else comes up. Miscellaneous. So speaking of which, I sent you a video this morning. See that natural segue? Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. I sent you a video this morning and kind of walked me through what I sent you. Uh, You sent me a video from someone from Machine Games. What was her name? Machine Studio. Machine Studios. What was the guy's name? Uh, I'll look it up really quick. Okay. He basically made a video um, a day or two ago about some of the myths of indie development that he kind of wanted to clear the air. Simon Roth. That's not a name. That's his, Simon Roth is his name. Okay. Um, he works for Machine Studio, I think. Yes. Oh, oh, shut up, Simon. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, we don't want to listen to you right now. We already listened. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Well, so he basically just talked about like things that a lot of people have built up that are false. Obviously, that's what myth is. Right. And it was informative. Like, it wasn't anything, you know, world shattering, but it was. Well, the high level points were that it, it's a lot about kind of what it takes to succeed as an indie developer. Uh-huh. And it, he highlights a lot of what gets covered about successful indies and what act, what other actual, like Team 17 or Team 7. Who's the one that makes the Worms game? Mode 7? Mode 7. That's the one he was talking about. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a bunch of studios that are actually independent that have been around for years. Yeah. Like, say, Mode 7 was, like, around for 15 years or something. Right. Or is uh-huh. around for 15 years. So he's talking a lot about studios that, that have sustained and how even though they don't have these crazy blockbuster hits over and over, they maintain and they get products out and I think that their games get better over time or Yeah. They at least sustain. Yeah, they, they can at least Operate. pay employees. Right. And they can and those employees can in turn support their families, which is important. And have a life and, and, and do what they want to do. But right. without not everyone's a, a Phil Fish and Fez or a indie sweetheart. Or a notch. A notch. Which I, which I thought was really important because, you know, you've talked about this before, like comparing Giant Bomb because it's kind of like all about just keeping your overhead low right. and just having, you know, this is for any business. You just need to have a sustainable source of cash flow. You just need positive cash flow. It doesn't need to be, you know, millions of dollars a month. Just, How are we going to get cash flow? Well, let me tell you. First, you got to figure out your burn rate. No, we got to release a product. That's step one. Then you gotta figure out your burn rate. What's the burn rate? Burn rate is an entrepreneurship. So say day zero is the day you launch your product or your business or whatever. Your burn rate is the rate at which you burn through money starting at day zero. Okay. So you have several states of early startup um, businesses. You have what's called nascence, which is before you even start. That's just the 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 brainstorming area that's just thinking, planning ahead, doing all your market research, doing all your business planning. And then the second you start, you 
should have figured out your burn rate and then you take your burn rate and compare it to how much funding you have and say, okay, with this much funding and a burn rate of X dollars, we will go broke by this day. Which he talks about too. So we need to have cash flows by this day. Otherwise, this thing's going to tank. So if you say, figure all that out and you get to the day where you release your product and you should have used up all your money and it doesn't get you out of the red, like if it's a graph Mm -hmm. and the burn rate's going negative and then you hit your last day and you keep going negative, you got to get out. Mm -hmm. Like flat, you got to get out. That's how they describe it. So that's, so... That wasn't from that video, but that's stuff I've learned. Right. The so if we were to have, if we were to release a product, a game, if we were to release Nightlife, and put a price on it, mm-hmm. we would probably have a. How would you How would you figure all that out? Well, because we have nothing to reflect against. Well, that's the thing. So for in our case, it'd be different because if it would if it's something that's part time or you have some sort of other source of income, it's mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. and the burn rate's slower. Right. And you might, this would be if you had a startup, you had a start, let's say you worked a job and you said, I want to start a business and then you saved up all this money and then you quit your job, hired employees, you know, mm-hmm. have made all of this preparatory stuff. And then that's when burn rate and it's cash flow. Important. And that's when that comes into play. But in our case, I think that we want to start, get it moving yeah. to a point where we think it can at least be worth sustaining itself. And don't, then, don't quit your day job is a very pertinent piece of uh, information. Right. Um, so on that, so like, like let's say, so nightlife is probably the closest to any type of release. Um, uh-huh. We've made two and a half games so far. Which one's the half game? Uh, La Partage. Okay. I think that Peak is more complete than La Partage. Oh, yeah. La Partage was our first pro- project. And then we went into peak at a game jam, and then nightlife grew out of a game jam, and now we've been working on nightlife on and off for the past few months. Mm-hmm. That's it. That nightlife is is at least design wise complete. Like we know the loop, we know what it is. Yeah, we can't. I don't like talking about what nightlife is because I kind of I give it away when I describe it. Yeah, you don't want to sell it. And it's kind of a one trick. Uh, you do want to sell, it, but you don't want to. You know. Yeah, like you said. I think what's cool about Nightlife is that you, you play it once and that's it is what it is and you walk away. Like you could sell something like that for a dollar or two. I think it's worth yeah. I think that I think that anything we make we have if the suit if we don't assign value to anything we make, then we haven't signed value to our time. Right. Um But also I think that nightlife by its nature is like all media disposable. And I think that there's a value that comes with something like that. You right. know. Um, I like the idea of like releasing it on our site and like the site will, you know, host all those projects and you can play it through a browser. But then if say you just wanted it just for yourself and have it, you know, where you didn't have to be connected to the internet, you didn't have to travel to the site. You could essentially, we could essentially sell it somewhere and people could have it. You just set up, what's the, what's the, um, payment service that Humble Bundle uses? Humble. No, no, no. The pay, like, it's not Square. It's. Well, they use PayPal and Amazon Payments. I'm talking about the widget. Like when you click on buy something, it brings up that widget 
I think it's the humble. I think it's the. I think it's the widget that they built. No, I've seen. Would. No, I've seen that. Oh, places. really? Yeah. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. You'd also do that. You just put that, and then just give people a .exe or a .app file. But I think that it would be a mistake to not. Well, I mean, eventually we want to get something on the Steam. Uh huh. Um, and eventually you're gonna to want to get on actual storefronts. You know that that are ways that you can deploy the game out in ways that are easy to get. You know, running a, a Unity.exe is tricky. Maybe not. No, I'm saying you export it as a file, mm -hmm. just a standalone file, mm -hmm. and then have an FTP client so when someone purchases it, they just download it straight from the from the website. No, I understand that, but the, the, that that's not very scalable. No, but, but I mean, you're right, if you're you just right. wanted to get in the hands of people. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it doesn't avoid... Or you just put it in the web player like you were saying a second ago. Well, we do that too. I'm, sa I'm saying that's like that's mm -hmm. the that's the base version. Do you pay for that version? No. So then why would you download it? Because maybe you don't have internet access. Like maybe you, you know... You just want to... Like, for some people, like... I mean, why was Cart Life a download from a guy's website instead of it just being on the web? Because the file is probably too big for him to stream through. It's, it's really is it? Bandwidth. I mean, once you start hitting like upper limits of like 10, 15 megs, oh. you're going to eat through your hosting really quick. Okay. Which is why I think Nightlife and it, it's, with the music alone and the assets, I mean, the, ad, the pixel assets are pretty small file-wise, but you're... Uh, yeah, music. Your budget's gonna get eaten up by sound. Yeah, and any any type of video you throw in there. Yeah, especially when uh, you enter like the boss scene. If we were to convert that into a video that would go through really quickly or something. Oh, you mean at the very end? No, the very be well that too. Would well, that wouldn't be, be no. That wouldn't be a video. I wouldn't play that as a video. Why not? Well, I don't know. I guess I could have never thought about it. I just thought of it just being more assets that would animate. I, either way, I mean, the, but the, either way, I think you're still, your overhead, I'm already, I don't know how big the master file would be right now. If you I can check. It. But you'd probably push. A couple hundred megs, maybe. Mm, I don't know. But either way, I, I mean, that, that, that works to a point, but also you, that's taking on costs that we don't need to take on. Okay. Um, but I think at first it's fine. My larger question there is like, who... When something, if you could play something on through a web browser, why would you pay for it? I wouldn't pay for it. I don't know. I mean, it's a great marketing question because I've, I've I've never done that, but that's always been an option. Like I've seen that hundreds of times. But why is it an option if people don't do it? Well, wait. Give me an example. <sighs> okay. Um, because Car Life was free, and then there's a premium version that had more characters. There was, I've seen, or well, look Super at, Meat Boy was a Flash game originally. They yeah. grew into a product, but that wasn't an that's, that's not exactly. either or. What about, um, this isn't, this isn't direct either, but what about uh, Will Blanton's game? What about One Ship, Two Ship, Red Ship, Blue Ship? He put that on uh, Greenlight. And then he mastered it and moved it to Steam. Right. Like, yeah, he put more effort into it. I don't know. So I, just... I think the larger question that we need to answer then is, is do we, is it 
do we just put nightlife out there for free and then is that worth doing and then seeing if we can get any kind of traction with that well that's what i was planning on doing originally that's what i'm thinking and but we were talking about burn rate so i was just wanting to go in yeah listening to the video i was like well we could charge for this like not saying so this is how i'm, I'm saying it should work like we have our website and that's where we host all of the projects like and and they're all using that OpenGL player on you know that the Unity can export out to from now on Unity five has the OpenGL mm -hmm. thing which works much better than the old Unity web I player. I think we can host as many projects as we want. The, our our limit our limit there is that when that gets hammered, there's we have to move to another way to host it or pay for more hosting. Okay. Um, which is why I think you see a lot of downloading. And a lot of like using, you know, third party services. Like Newgrounds or something like that. Right. Yeah. Just thought, just throwing that out there. That's um, true. Well, I mean, I'm not as web dev savvy as you are. So I, you know, <laughs> you're compared curious. to me. Um, but it's things that, but I think the, the larger question, these are all things that are solvable issues. I think the larger question is, is like, with nightlife, which nightlife is a a game that essentially we just say what's next, which is the theme of the Lunar that it came out of. Right. And we're trying to figure out what happens when the game. So the theme is what's now, not not what's next. Or what happens? I thought it was what now. No, what do we do now? What do we do now? God. Whatever. Point point being is that it, that's the you know the who. The game is going to take, how, I mean, I think you can beat the whole thing in 10 minutes. Probably. If that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's... I've been built to loop to the end, and, and I need to concretely, we need to concretely, like, plan out exactly what he's going to do, because, I mean, we mm -hmm. had a lot of those ideas, and those are all, a lot of, a lot of them are still partially formed. Right. And I'm just curious if that, that loop is long enough to be entertaining. I think that the way we had it set up where it's over a certain amount of time that like I think that I, I think that we both know that nightlife is a, a just a short thing. Right. Which is why I think that we are totally fine with giving away for free. Right. Right. Just what that video brought up made it sound like, well, you could charge for it. And what I was saying before is why would you have a version that you charge for when you could also play it for free? I don't have a good answer for that. That's, and I think that no one has a good answer for that. But I think it's something worth trying out. Maybe not with this, but with mm. something. Maybe, maybe if it was something that you could take with you on a phone or take with you in an experience that... But you're going to beat Nightlife the first time you load it up. And right. browser. Maybe you want to show it to someone else. That's true. No, I think you're right. But you can, why, where, where are they going to be? They don't have a browser. I don't know. Right. Airplanes. Okay. Air Force One. Well, the big airplane market. Yes, Mr. President, you called me? Uh, yes, I'd like to uh, show you this game. Well, you're a Obama impression. It's getting better. The, um, what was that? The, uh, I think the initial push needs to happen. I think that everything we do has to happen around, I don't think, I, I don't think that you and I are interesting enough right now and we haven't made anything worth but I, I can I juggle. No, well, I can actually juggle. Thank you very much. But I don't think that we offer any insight that no one in our exact same position can offer or can't offer. I think that we have our own taste. Okay. 
which brings, um, I think that feeds into the creative that we make. And I think the expectations that we have for what we want to make feed into that. Mm -hmm. But I think right now the push for the site and the overall, you know, the idea of it as a company is that we make interesting things, right? Yeah. So I think that nightlife is an investment in developing cachet, right? That's the plan behind. So my, in my mind, we push nightlife on the site front and center, right? Right. And then we talk, we have the podcast on there and it'd be pretty cool and everyone's listening to it and subscribing, but it's also our feed. And then we pretty much, it's our job to get, see what people think of nightlife. Yeah. Right. And like, right. Like, you know, and it's because it's not a product for release. There's no expectation. Like we can keep pushing it. Yeah. Over time. Like there's not, we don't lose anything if okay. no one plays nightlife. Yeah. So it's okay. But what we lose is the opportunity to develop a trust, trust or a sense of what we do. Okay. You know what I mean? So nightlife A has to be a reflection of something bigger than it probably is. You know what I mean? And I think it has that. I do, I do. But in certain ways and in certain other ways, like, I don't want to primarily make humor games. Like, I don't... But it's not... I don't think that... I don't think that anyone's going to take that away. No, but, like, you, if someone were to play it, you can make a lot of um, perceptions. Like, it uses pixel art. It is comedic. It's a kind of uh, parody of tropes and games and mechanics kind of like the stanley parable in that sense and then so some of that stuff i'm fine with but i don't want to just be defined by those things i don't want to be but right now you and i can only be defined by what we put out there is what i'm saying there's no okay we don't have i mean that's in my opinion i don't why would anyone what else are they gonna pull are they gonna look at my my portfolio of like my facebook my like posters and and web work like, okay okay that's true i'm just saying that the i don't want someone to look at that and they oh that was funny i can't wait for the next funny thing they make and then but in my mind it's our responsibility to make the next thing for ourselves illustrate that point okay but i think i, I, I think nightlife does a good job of encapsulating a lot of kind of uh it has a lot of per- personality in it i think which is something that we want to put in games. I agree. I'm just saying that's just a fear that I have. Right. But I also think that talk is cheap. <laughs> I do. I really do. So keep talking. No, I think that, you know, I think that the number one thing that you see through any industry, through any, uh, you got to put it, you got to put up, put up or shut up. Like it's the fucking, it's the same thing everywhere. Like we can talk about all the grand ideas we, and I love doing that. I think it's great. I think it's, we have to do it to be sharp. Uh-huh. But if we don't... Do it? Right. Okay. You know, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that about us. Like, we, our MO, as we put products out there in whatever cycle that may be, you know what I mean, is that we are only... We are measured up by everything we put out there. Agreed. Because eventually we'll have enough things, I hope, that... One of them hits. One of them hits, or one of the, all of a sudden people start. Then we have that cachet, right? Then we have a a we bring a perspective through games, right? 
And then all of a sudden, what are pain? They matter. Not that they matter, but the, it's not as much just. I mean, it always has to be about what we make. But then all of a sudden, we can have opinions on stuff that are, I think, more grounded and more experienced. Um, what do you mean by that? I just want to clarify. Like I'm you're saying, saying that, like, like our marketing, like if you were to look at like our just like general like brand message of Ward, like what Ward would be, Ward is nothing right now. Ward is nightlife. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Okay. Nightlife is the front and center thing, and then Ward is behind it as this thing that we're going to develop over time. You know what I mean? That's what I think. I mean, I don't, what do you think? I mean, I agree with that. I wasn't. Nothing you said, I think, sounds wrong. Um, That's how it usually goes. <laughs> so humble. Um, I know. Yeah. I, it was, I was just running myself through an exercise, just monetization, stuff like that. Which is what I thought was really important about that video about Simon Roth. Right? Oh, I thought, uh, yes. And keep, we'll keep finishing. Which is very insight, insightful and... I and mean, it kind of goes to what I was saying last week about how, you know, some people just don't think of the business side of that. And, like, some people get swept away by the... the Being the next big thing. Yeah, and the celebrity of it. and Or sometimes not even the celebrity, but just the pure creative part of it. Like, no, I just want to be the artist and that's it. And sometimes I get, you know swept up in that and you catch me on that because sometimes I think you walk a weird line that I I think we walk very different brain paths you know okay but I think that you get caught up in the business side and then you're in there and then you get caught up in the the creative side and you're very much in there and then you have these two conflicting things going on in your head and then you know it's it's finding the which one you want to listen to that day. Right. You know. And eventually... And they're both super important. Yeah, and eventually I would like to just have one dominate. Because I don't think it's good to have this... I mean, from a professional standpoint, not from a, um intellectual standpoint. Obviously, it's very good to have all these different perspectives. But oh, you want to embrace one? As a career. I think you probably want to embrace the creative side. I don't know. You want to, oh, really? Because, well, so, I read a lot of, I read a lot of Forbes. Okay. And Forbes, and, I mean, not just Forbes, but, like, a lot, I read a lot of this stuff. Bloomberg. <laughs> I, love so much, I love the Bloomberg website. Not so much Bloomberg. I read a lot of Inc. and Inks, a lot of Forbes. Okay. Um, Ad week. I just read Flipboard, so I don't know what these sites look like. Ah. Uh, My heart. It's like... That's why you were freaking out about the Wired website, and I was like, I, I love look, it. looks like every other Flipboard article, I don't know. Uh, but um, there's this really interesting article and you know it's very true uh, talking about when you are when you make a startup you are interested in you the profession of that startup so the example they had was say you want to start a lawn care service I do (laughs) brown lawns I think that's gonna hit um, and that can never be unsatisfied. <laughs> the bar is set so low out of the gate. <laughs> I, I made it into a rock garden. I hope you like, it. but so, so say, so the example was, say you want to start a, um, uh, 
a lawn care service. And so you're going to start out as one of the guys taking care of the lawns because you're going to start really small. You're going to have like two or three employees, if that. Um, you have like a truck and you're going to go around and take care of people's lawns. But if your goal is growth over time, you have to make one or two choices. You have to make the choice of either I want to be the best guy at caring for people's lawns as possible and I want someone else to be the CEO or manager or executive, whatever the title will be of this thing and have them grow it or I want to give up being the craftsperson and I now have to take on the role of the executive, the CEO, and I am going to manage this thing. And with my insight of how this industry, how this business works. You can find someone that will fill that role really well that you can trust. Well, that where you should be hiring those people over time, but that like being the CEO will like entrust, you know, that the company will do well. It's like, it's always the argument of like whether or not the founder should be the CEO. And you see, and you still see that today, like whether or not the product guy has enough insight to be the manager. And you know, that's one of the huge things about the Steve Jobs biography is that this guy who is so bolsterous and like dedicated to these products, can he manage a company? And he couldn't do that until he went and founded Next and he went and founded Pixar and had to fail a bunch and learn how to trust people right? and then come back to Apple and do all that. And that's why they talk about how the wilderness years, which is when Steve Jobs was not at Apple or his most important years, because that's when he got married. That's when he grew up. That's when he became an actual manager instead of just a product lead. Right. And so like those are, so, you know, that's the choice that I will always have to do. Like, do I want to be Todd Howard or do I want to be Phil Spencer? Like, see the difference? Right. And I think that I'm, I think that you're very conflicted, which I think is a really good thing because you bring a lot of skills in both regards, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas like I, I, I'm not as, I think the business side is interesting, but I think I'm better with like, mm, it's hard to say. Like, I don't think I would ever want to be like a CEO. Well, I think about it a lot and I was like thinking about it today. It was like the advantage to being someone like that is like, cause I've wanted to be so many different things from writing to art to whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not particularly stellar at any of them just because I switched so many well, you're times. You're so young. That's the only thing I think you forget. That's true. But then I also, yeah, no, that's exactly true. You just don't like, have any experience. I don't have any experience. Right. So, but, and then I asked you, well, do I want to be any one of those things? Do I want to stick to any one of those careers? Or would it be more satisfying to create a place where you can have a hand in all of those where you can have a hand in all of those but more that you can have people that are dedicated to one of those things and let them work their trade well i think that like the idea of like if if the if the phil spencer legends are true right i think that he seems to be a guy that he's a company man like we talked about last time and or do we talk about that or is that just you and i talking about that no we talked about that and he embraces this culture, I think he's a facilitator of it. And I think you see that come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's 80 billion other people that are right there with him helping that happen, you know? And I think you see it happening with Sony, too. And I think it does come from the top down. 
Absolutely. Like when we go in and do just branding and stuff for people, like if the company's president or the CEO of any any organization isn't a believer in this message or whatever, it trickles down. Like it doesn't work. Um, it's just an important thing about like culture and stuff. Which is why that role is so important because you're always on. You're always on. You know, I mean, even when like we were rolling, like, you know, when I slipped up, it looks, it just makes it okay for everyone else to fuck up. Um, or if I'm not, like, if we were making a game and, and we weren't as passionate as we had to be, or we phoned it in, all of a sudden it's okay to phone it in and meet deadlines, and then the work suffers. Which I've worked at places where, you know, the principles are the uh, creative directors. And I think it's a terrible idea. I, I think that everyone is creative. Fundamentally, like everyone's creative, but I think that you have to have. Uh, you can get stuck letting everyone in the kitchen. Makes a shit meal. What's the expression? Too, too many, many cooks, cooks in the, in the soup. Oh, too many cooks make a shit meal. I finally watched that. that too oh, many, many cooks <laughs> thing. Like after it being out for so long, I was like, all right, I'm gonna sit down and see what this was all about. And then it went places. It does. But I think that, like, what I do bring is, like, I, I, not what I bring, but, like, what I'll tell you what you bring. Okay. This is what you bring. You bring a boldness that I don't possess. You bring a very technical mind in certain things that I don't possess, which is interesting to talk to you with, like, you know, computer science or programming or something like that, because I am a programmer. But, like, you'll bring things to me, and I'll be like, oh, shit. Especially with game stuff, because, like, I understand, yes, I understand object-oriented programming and stuff like that, and that's not stuff you've learned because you weren't taught it, but you, since you've had your guts, your hands in the guts of, of like, you know, I've never built a PC, you've built a PC, okay. and then I just bought that PC off of you. <laughs> um, like, it's, it's the academic versus the, the experience. I think there's a lot where you you like to really dig deep into things and and, and break, like learn them and like like see them. Whereas like I'll just do I just do things uh-huh. and then I start learning by doing. Right. I think it's they complement each other very well. If we if we both tried to build a plane like two separate planes, your plane would work, but it would be like taped together and stuff. And but then, it would fucking fly. And then I would have a really nice looking wing <laughs> just lying on the ground. Um. But it would be built this code, and it would it would you know. <laughs> this uh, this wing is the code. <laughs> Meets all the health and fire <laughs> regulations. <laughs> yeah, but like FAA code, whatever. Point is, is um. But I think I, I think I understand. Like, I think I do have a, like a good sense of real. I think realistic expectations when it comes to messaging. Yeah, like you. Because I went to school for journal um, communication. You know? Yeah, you went to, but you also, your school was interesting because like the communication school at VCU also has a lot of marketing in it. And Why did journalism and advertising? So advertising is something more marketing. Right, but I'm saying that I'm a business student. There's marketing and business. Student. And but like I haven't really touched. You know, I've taken two marketing classes, and one was intro. Well, but I can tell you that like the difference between marketing and advertising is like there's tactics. In operations, so that comes out of marketing, and they call it ad ops too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like presence, places, who we need to see, who we need to hit, and then response. 
And then the advertising side is the concept and execution. Right. Which, but, like, you're exposed to more of that because, you know, you work at an ad agency and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, like, if you, you know, being a business administration management major, you don't really get exposed to much of that stuff. They just expect you to do the leadership. Like, we talk a lot about leadership and stuff like that and just management of people. But it's super important. It is important. But like what I'm you, saying you've is, worked like... At, you've worked at enough organizations now where you see a poorly... I see the bad managers, I see the good managers. Well, not just that, but like you see a project, project or in your work, which game development is. Mm-hmm. If someone's not steering, which is why project managers are some of the best things in the whole world, if someone's not steering all these people that are working towards one collective thing, mm-hmm. which is why being a smaller shop is a lot easier, because it's a pretty linear communication path, um, if you don't have that, you're fucked. Nothing gets done. Right. Because human nature is to be lazy. We're lazy. Well, another interesting thing is um, how, because we've gone over this a lot in a lot of, in operations classes and stuff like that, like how the project lead shouldn't always be the same person. So if you had like a small group of people working on a project, your project team was like 10 people, the project lead should cycle through all those people because it's important to have everyone understand where it's going and have everyone be able to hold everyone else responsible. So throughout the project they should cycle or throughout the different products they should cycle? Both. It can, it can work either way. I would lean more towards the second one I said where like, you swap from product. Like, I think that it's important to have a lead and see it through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I even see it like when, when, when we swap websites back and forth. Like I'll take the lead on one, he'll take the lead on the other, you know? And like just having one person that you go to that person and ask, What's the standard for this? What are we doing for this? Like, how do you want to do this? It just it eliminates a lot of like just redundant communication, right? Which in game that you know it's like you know I think the aesthetic of nightlife is driven a lot by you, the art and stuff. So like when it comes to that stuff, I just I just go and I, is this what we want? You know what I mean? I think that that's important. And I think you drove, you drive the music a lot because, like, that's another thing, like, I've never touched, like, I've never touched audio editing, anything like that, but you just, and and I've been doing it more because, you know, I don't want to, it was like, oh, I need this sound effect, and then I just go find it, mm-hmm. and then I was fucking looking at the goddamn wave, waveform of a sound effect trying to pull all the static out, and that was fun. It's like, all right, I just got to erase all of these lines, and then it'll sound better. Um... But, yeah, I think we both bring a lot of interesting, differing skill sets and then very, like... You have different tastes. Yeah, different tastes, but that can be at odds, but aren't always, like, at yeah, odds. They have to be at odds in order to, to make... Well, they can't be hostile, is what I'm no. saying. I mean, naturally hostile, I think. Yes. But, I, don't, not, I don't mean to be, it just comes out that just, way. It's um the seething, bubbling hatred just comes out. There's no seething, bubbling hatred. Every orifice. I just I state my opinion. I feel like I do a good job of that. I try. You're talking like a sociopath. Hmm. I feel like one nine times out of ten. Well, there might be something to that. Yeah, I'll figure it out later. Um, but I think that like you know it's important that like there is a aesthetic that you have developed for nightlife that. It is something that you're passionate about, but on another project, like maybe it's 
it's more driven by both of us, or we we find in our style that. Oh, and I want to get away from pixel art. I do too. I think we both agree on that. I think you know, even though they talk about like the the Ward logo in pixel art, it's just that it's there's a there's something about it that I think is just it's been done. Yeah. By us, and like I think that pixel art is, 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 is it can be really beautiful and be really awesome and super cool. But you're, I think you're also seeing that in the general industry, like you're seeing a lot oh, of I think small people, indie stuff just like kind of moving away. When I look at Galaxy, and I'm like, oh my god. It's gorgeous, and that's all just like three D objects that uh-huh. are vector based, and it's just fucking awesome. And the smoke effects are just there's a lot you can do with vector too, at a scale. And I think pixel art is really workable because it's it's easy to manufacture and get it out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's easy to like I need a pixel crate. Okay, cool. Do a pixel crate. You know, and there's there's rules, but vector you know you can do a lot of vector style stuff too. Or anything, you know, mm-hmm. you could do, we could do hand drawn if you wanted to or something and just import that out and just, we used to develop some kind of flow that makes it easy to get it in. That's the big problem is that it has to be scalable, scalable, but also that we can get assets in quickly. Yeah. Because I think it's really easy to get hung up on like, you know. Well, it's also, we've never messed with like programmer art or like placeholder art. That one Ludendare that you weren't able to go to, and I only went to half of it because of school. Um, like I didn't even, I didn't even do any official art. Like it was all boxes with sticks hitting I each think, other. I think I'm all for that. Yeah, I think there's no. And I think if we, if we were to do it in stages where we do a lot of like proof of concepts, like if the state, if like on the website the voting stages are, all right, first is the initial idea. Don't even have just here's a, a paragraph of what we think this game would be. And then get a certain amount of votes for that. And the second stage is proof of concept, program art, get that out, get a certain number of votes for that. But what are you comparing now? Because once you go down one line, what are you testing again? What do you mean? So you so you so you're gonna so you vote so you have two ideas, right? Oh, the, the ideas aren't competing with one another. This is how I. This is. Oh, you mean like what if? Like, so okay, so let's let's say you have these two game concepts, okay. and they vote, and one's. One wins. Okay. Or one is the uh, more favored. Okay. So you go to the next stage, and now you develop... What, do you develop two mechanic suites for it, or...? No. That's that's not how I concepted it. Like, the idea would be... Say we have ten ideas. We throw ten ideas up on a website. Okay. And then... People vote on those ideas, and... And I don't think it should be whoever has the most votes. I think there should be... It should be gated. So, like... If this reaches ten votes, oh, it's worth we, about, it's worth thinking about. We it's it's a kill, you know. Okay. A yes, no gate, and then you go to the next one. And the next one is, you make it like bare bones version, and then put it back up. All right, this one needs twenty five votes. If it hits twenty five votes, that goes to the next, and then you kind of, and then you build a queue because like, what if three ideas? I like I mean, having ideas in the hopper is always good. So you and then you just run them through. Now let's say. One idea is at stage two or three, and then one idea is at stage one, still in the, just the pitch stage, and but they both get enough votes. Well, obviously the stage that has progressed more should be worked on first, and then the next one should be in the queue. You see how that works? I do see how that works. It's just it's a big endeavor to take on. It is. Um, but then we could also just ratchet down the amount of ideas we put on the website and we also, or we could increase. I think it's a really cool way to move projects through and keep yourself accountable to making, like, see, making it work, you right. know, in a way to, like, 
Just, yeah, so it's not like it just, it's takes, not, it just takes us so long to even get an idea from a concept to a play. Well, I think I mean, I think we need to look at it more like the 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 Lundare like model where it's just here's a weekend go, and obviously that's not sustainable. We try you just use every weekend to just push the stuff out, but if we have these things up, then also have like a timeline, say like right. proof of concept two months. But then, like, what happens when you, like, the thing is, is that I think we want to dig in and once in a while. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's, um, we'll have to think that through. Like, because from the outset, no one's going to vote on anything. So we just pick one. We're like, all right, let's work on this one some. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was another interesting idea that the Simon Roth brought up was how he kind of demystified the myth of uh, you need to fail. Oh, I love that. X number of times. Right. And he was quoting how Rovio, they, they were basically on the verge of bankruptcy and then someone drew one of the Angry Birds one morning and then they just built the game around it and then it took off. And then now they're just leaning their entire business into that and then start having to lay off people because, oh, look, the eighth Angry Birds game isn't making as much money as the first one. Mm-hmm. So... But they, they that's a long tail. They've been able to profit sure. Angry Birds. But that still sucks when you then have to lay people off because you didn't have the foresight to, you know, have other properties, have other sources of cash flow. Right. Well, I think there's some contingent there that wanted to make more cool games. Like, Bad Piggies was cool. Sure, but, I mean, it's based off the same brand. Right. Like, it didn't try to become... Oh, I think a bunch of business people went in there and were like, we gotta ride this through. Yeah. This is now Angry Birds Incorporated. That's what, yeah. Instead of, you know, Rovio. Which I think Rovio is a really cool name. Oh, yeah. It's just a business. Um, I think Angry Birds was originally a pretty cool game. Oh, I'm not saying Angry Birds is bad. I'm just saying that I was just saying in general, I like the name Rovio, and then I was also saying that they're leaning into that properly too heavily. Oh, yeah. Because they were probably, it's probably a mixture of fear of not being able to strike lightning twice. Mm-hmm. And. Well, you know, I think that you see that, that's just, you expect that. I'm just for, not, I'm just that. not one for sequels. Right. As a, as, as a creative person, as a consumer, they're fine. I will play. Shadow of Mordor 2, when that eventually comes out, because the way that game ends, it's just like, oh, okay. But your commitment to a sequel as a, as a player is so it's, much smaller. Yeah, it's way smaller. Mm-hmm. I'm not spending tens of millions of but, dollars. you know, I mean, like, we do, it's, as a, uh, any, any product-based anything, it's so easy to iterate and sell it again. Right. You know, and that's, what, what do you do then? But those, these are all bigger questions. But that's also a, a argument of product versus artwork, mm-hmm. commerce versus art. Like, just because you can iterate. That was on that, um, that Polygon put out this big spread about EA, like the founding of EA and how EA, quote unquote, lost its soul. And after reading it, it didn't really look like it had much of a soul to begin with, but... Yeah, it um, looked like it was... But it... it I had a really interesting point about how when they made the first Madden game, everyone was like, what are you doing? You can't make a game branded around Madden. That's just dumb. It was like, who who, who plays video games? Who cares about Madden? Mm-hmm. And then they did Gangbusters. And then they was like, all right, 
we made so much money on this. How do we do that again? Let's just make another one. And then it was like, you can't, you can't make the same game. And then they did it. And then now you have an annualized Madden franchise. And that's both. I was going to say it's both a good and bad thing, but I don't know where the good part is. Mostly because I don't like sports games, but also because... A bunch of people have jobs. Yes, yeah, a bunch of people have jobs and a lot of people enjoy it and pay for it. But like from a... But you see all these problems with it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the first sports game that comes onto a new generation of consoles is always stripped down and pretty bad. Because they, they spend so much time trying to adapt graphically to the new generation that they have to take... And it's on a yearly cycle that they have to take out all those features. That, but I think if it was an issue financially, I think there's someone at that company that's like, this is a good problem because we can strip out all the features at the back end next year. New selling point. Yeah, but that's not... The person who's saying that is not a developer. And not ethical, but and, it doesn't matter. And not a consumer of but these products. they are sustaining... But they're not, though, because they just shut down Maxis, the Emeryville studio. Like, there's parts of them that are not sustainable. Like, they keep trying to crank out The Sims, mm-hmm. or The Sim City, and then Sim City does falls apart because... Wouldn't know, they make a Sim studio, though? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, well, a bunch of, a bunch of that work got shifted over to Redwood Shores, one of the EA studios. And there's still a Maxis studio. There's, I don't know where else their other studio is, but there's still Maxis still exists. Mm-hmm. Like I thought when I first read those articles, I thought that they just killed the Maxis brand, mm-hmm. which I thought would have been a horrible idea. But no, there's still a Maxis studio somewhere in California. I don't know where, mm-hmm. but they killed the the Emeryville hmm. uh, studio, which I think, like, the once again, here's that argument. Here's that conflict between art and business. It's like. You want to just blame faceless executives and for being callous and cruel and like, oh, you made the decisions for trying to put all these like hooks into SimCity to try to monetize it more or make it or, you know, prevent piracy and all that stuff. And then you punish the people that you ordered to do this instead of taking responsibility for yourself. But I don't know how it went down. I, I do know that there are people who were smart and saw the signs like Ocean Quigley who left, uh, Maxis and started mm-hmm. his own indie studio because he probably saw that hammer coming down. He's like, I, this, this game was not going well. Mm-hmm. Like the development there's just huge friction. We need to, I need to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I think the, I don't know what you would do in that scenario though, where like someone poses like decrees on you. And like, to me, I think it's a problem that as the developer, team and the creative team that you're going to be faced with business problems all the time and people are going to give you unrealistic expectations. I think it's poor management, but also I think that it's your job to make something that's still, it's the work is a reflection of you at the end of the day. And like people can walk away from it, but like anything that doesn't work, I mean, I'll always just take personally. I don't think that there's any other way to do it. I think that if you can disassociate yourself because of your company being crappy or whatever, like I think that it's your responsibility to find a better company to work at. There's crappy management everywhere. You know, like it's not, you know, eventually someone might think of us as crappy management. You know, like, I hope not. And I I think we get to try really hard. And I think that there are really well-run studios. You know, but I think that like when Irrational blew up, I think that everyone was like, whoa. It's not... I'm still reeling about that just because that was more of a creative decision. That was more like, you know... Ken Levine just saying, hey, I want to 
work a smaller form, want to do some more experimental creative stuff. Well, we don't know what all happened with that, though. But, like, we do know that he played a hand in dissolving it. But it might have been like a, hey, these are your options. We shut it down. Uh, like 2K, or Take 2 came You in. come into 2K as a, the 2K creative director. <laughs> so we're workshopping this name. How about 2K Boston? <laughs> what about 2K Levine? Like, you know. That, that's very fair. Like, you shouldn't, shouldn't post judgment on him. No, I mean, I think, I, the situation. I think he got out in a way that I, I would be jealous of. You know, and I think that he probably had to, real, he had to deal with that. But, you know, he's fine. He's got enough... No, I'm not worried about him. No, no, I'm, but I'm saying, like, the 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 bigger bummer is that when a, a creative studio like that can't sustain. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like a Bethesda shutdown. You know, like, all of a sudden, like, Bethesda's like this beacon of, like, we can make really cool fucking games that are critically successful. Yeah. Or Naughty Dog. Like, they're making stuff that's, like... Last of Us is... is is fucking cool. Like, it's just, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's an inspiration to everyone that makes games that, like, you know, you can do it at a big scale and a small scale. I think it's important. It's got, well, it's, you know. But same thing in the movie industry. Like, you, you can get a Guardians of the Galaxy that blows up. And Guardians of the Galaxy is, is, is good. Like, it's clever. It's 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 smart. It's cool. It's And it's very much like James Gunn. Like, it, just, it feels like something that he had a hand in. And, um, but, but you also get Transformers. Like, well, it, not who puts out Transformers? Paramount. Uh, it's a it's Fox. Shit. Universal. Is it Universal? Let's let's say it's Universal. I don't know anything about Universal's like, uh, executive management. I don't know anything about how they. Pick. Oh, you what Kevin Feige? Like how yeah. he's like yeah yeah. yeah. Th- that's right. what I'm saying. Like you have someone like that. Kevin Feige is basically the Phil Spencer or, of or Marvel the Studios. The guy that went to Disney Animation from Pixar. John Lasseter. Right. No, no, I'm not saying that you can't, but I'm saying as a creative, it's your job to find a company that you fit in that does that. And there's not that many, so you have to be that good to belong at a company like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think, like, if I wanted to go and, like... If I wanted to leave you... No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... this whole place behind. Like, when... I think you have to get experience working professionally doing stuff. I think it's really important. I think that anytime that you can get your stuff, whatever it is, if people are willing to pay for it, it's really important because it's not saying your work's good. Shit work gets paid for all the time. Transformers was made. It's terrible. It's so bad. And it's, that's never, money, I guess the other, like like money and, and, and quality are never hand in hand. I think that they can feed into each other, right? But there's never a direct one. But I think understanding what production quality stuff feels like making is hard. You know, I think that you got that some at your, your, your current job. And I think working in the past year, I see it all the time. And just the kind of, of discussions that happen around polish, and not just polish, like making things and how they have to get out the door is really crucial to create to know that you fit in a place that can work that way. Because it's your job to find a place where you can operate to your best. Well, it's also, I mean, and then multiply that by, well, I'm not, I shouldn't rank skills or skill people over one another, but in 
game dev, like, or, you know, any software engineering, just think about the programmers and then deadlines. Right. Like, you know, and I see that in my jobs, like you have to get this done by end of business today. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have no idea how to reproduce this bug. <laughs> I don't know what's causing it. It's causing the entire application to crash. What do I do? And then you just like have to hit your head on the keyboard and keep testing stuff. So like, you know, programmers get paid significantly more than... But the shit they deal with but is they, insane. they deserve it. Oh, yeah. Well, and then it's... You, that's why you see companies that are these large software companies that they put they prop the, these developers up so high because they know it's a a very limited pool less so now than it was but still I mean there's no there's no even in Richmond there's no developers. Well, I was talking to um, a friend. I did a I took a entrepreneurship like five hundred. It was like entrepreneurship engineering five hundred level. Uh, topics course last spring and there are two other entrepreneurship majors in there and one of them um gabriel benbow he's really he's really cool he's like he's always thinking he's really nice and he has this website it's called like three thousand ideas or something and it's just about him just i don't know if it's like every day or every week he just pitches a new idea it's like hey what's what's going on with this um which i think is really cool and it, and it helps with that um ideation part of, of business development but he went um, with a group of people to the Valley a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to Google's headquarters and he was talking to people at Google. And there was a manager there. He's like, I can't, I can't hold on to developers. Right. They come and then they just go because like they get better deals elsewhere. Or it's like, because I'm like, if you're smart enough to, to knock it there, it's like you're, you're going to have every desperate um, tech company big, knocking on your door. Yeah, it's a big resume thing. And you're going to get ahead on it. And people, software makes so much money at an insane overhead compared to like manufactured goods or compared to like, is the, you take a whole pipeline of like a, a car from concept to a car, it's expensive. It steals a lot. You take a, you know, $500 enterprise software solution, it's three guys. Like, <laughs> it's their salaries and the hosting. Like, it's not, you know, and I'm sure I'm like, just cutting it down so much, but I'm saying like, it's, if there's any, and you're not talking about the bubble, like if there's any bubble to burst, it's it's this like, the work that comes out of software development and the valuation that gets put to it, and no. What are you saying? Like the work's gonna get worse? No, the, the eventually we're gonna hit a point where like, I don't know. But here's what I think. I think, because um, there's a big, I read some article on Medium like a couple months ago talking about like how all software nowadays sucks. Like, you know, you see the thing with, oh, day one patches for games, but it's across all software. Because it's true. And, and it actually saw something like this, but talking about nuclear proliferation, saying that like we as a species are really good at making highly technical advanced things. We are not very good at supporting them or troubleshooting them after the fact. Right. So like all these nuclear silos that, you know, are in the process of being decommissioned or whatever, like they're being run on equipment from the sixties. Oh, they're still running on tapes. Like it's insane. Yeah. And it's the same thing with software. Like they're not running on tapes, but like people well, fucking Unix, like people don't write like 
clean as clean code as they used to. Like when you used to have to write an assembly or hard C, mm-hmm. and if like you fuck something up, then you have to go line by line and assembly and see how you're saving data to the register and seeing where it's fucking up, you're gonna be you're gonna take it a lot slower and be a lot more careful mm-hmm. than you are now when you're writing in a high level programming language like Java and like, oh, I had a typo right here. Oh, but that typo's in eight different places, but there's a point where one of my I call one of my functions calls a typo, but I used it correctly and all this stuff. Like you try to fix one thing, it's gonna break five other things. Mm-hmm. And just people aren't being as careful. It's not that they're lazy. It's just like, it's just the way we treat software nowadays. Well, I think also though we're we're building on tools that are built the same with that same software development. So we're building on Unity that was released the same way that we're releasing a product. You know what I'm saying? No. Like you're you're building on top of like you're building on top of software suites and tools that are fundamentally have issues already. Oh, I see. Like, we're not building from the ground up anymore. Like, we're, 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 we have to account for the bugs that are... It exists, or, okay. like, you know... And I'm not saying it's any problem, but, like, there's bugs in Creative Suite. You know, you run into it all the time. Um, this is a really bad bug, and this was in a pirated version of CS5, so this might have been a reason why, but uh, there's a point where I would use my Wacom tablet, and I would draw with it, and then there would be a point where it just wouldn't recognize the brush. So the way... so. For some reason, the way it does it, 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 the way I got around that bug is that I tapped the menu bar mm. because basically I guess unfocused the app and then I clicked back on the canvas and then it worked. But I had to do it like every two minutes. See, so I mean, and imagine like how did that hamper whatever you were working on? Did it hamper? S- slow it down. But it could have done other things. Like it could have prevented you from coming up with another cool thing to like. I'm just saying, like we're building on already like fragile foundations. That's why we need to. Build our own game engine, like so many people do. Well, that's what James did for his uh, iOS game. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He built it. Did in, he use uh, Xcode? Uh, he told me he built his own engine. That's cool. Using C? Objective-C? Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. But, uh, I mean, iOS is an iOS developer. In Objective-C, so. Well, it makes sense then. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. My work hates Objective-C. <laughs> Well, because they're doing cross-platform development. Well, but also you have to build some modules using Java or Objective-C. Just Objective-C is a very bullshit language. Really? Boolean values in Objective-C, it's not true-false. It's capital yes and capital no. Mm-hmm. I don't, and that's not how it is in C. That's not how it is in C-sharp. That's not how it is in C++. There's no reason why this this fork of C is like that. Whereas... All of its cousins are not like that. There's just a lot of weird idiosyncrasies about Objective-C. That. PHP does if-else, which is a little weird. Does if-else? Else, yeah. If, if, you do if, if, and, if, or if-else. That's their true-false thing. Well, Java does that. Really? Yeah, you do if, you know, block, else. Oh. Or you can do if-else, or no, else-if, and then you can have another... Statement, logical statement, and then another block. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty common. Maybe I'm just confused. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I just slap my I hands on the keyboard. Just, I just hit numbers. And just sit on the keyboard and then just... I don't, I don't ever claim to be, like, a programmer. Make that very clear. You shouldn't. I don't want to be. I want you to try making something 
and like Unity. I no, mean, I, think I, could, I think I, I think I could get dangerous enough with Unity to do what. I, I mean, the thing that that <laughs> I, I had ball bounce. Care? Yeah, fuck yeah, I had a ball bounce. That wouldn't even require any programming. No, and I, I'm going to play like the Unity editor. Like I understand that, you know, but I think that what I'm drawn to in game design more than anything else is the actual like designing systems. You know what I mean? You want the more pen on paper. I want to fucking draw out like this is the like rules like the I like like I get like the way you get excited about like doing an animated flag. I get excited about like if I come up with my own trading card game. Okay. And like making rules to make you know what I mean like that's what I do. like I sit and just doodle like how I'd want things to play and then play off each other like that's where I get excited. Um, and then my level fifty withered. Well, uses the magic missile because it's that's whatever. I mean, I think it's really, and I think it's 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 that's like the unseen thing in games. Oh yeah, that's like more than anything else. Like know, I think that like that's the man behind the curtain. Well, I, I think it's the equivalent of really good cinematography in a movie, which is the thing that I'm drawn to in film. Like I think that like really well shot movies that do things that just look cool, or even that video that you guys seen the other day. We did the picture in picture thing um, for the TV and the radio song. Okay. I love that. I love that. Because the effect it causes. Like, you don't think about it, but, like, you see his face and you see the track around him and you get a sense of speed. Just by looking at it. Well, of course you do. But you, it's, you have an idea of his presence in the space. I think it's... I love that. Which is why I'm also drawn to, like, user experience stuff. Like, the idea of, like, how people use a website is so much cooler to me than how the fuck I built it or mm-hmm. what the design what it looks was. like. You know? But I think, that, I think that they all play off each other in very important ways. But I think, like, the insight that I bring that's, like, actually... Is worth, I think, that I put time into comes from that. Well, it's also like writing. It's like people see the plot, but they don't see the themes. You have to infer that. Right. Or even like when you're doing just like reporting, you know, you you, you build a story out of fragments and quotes. There has to be a thread, though. Right, and there has to be a logical argument. Right. Like there has to be. Right. Which is that, that you're right. That's the, that's the, the. Even when it comes to reporting, because reporting is very top-down um, style of writing, but I think you still have—it's your responsibility to find the thread. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally learned top-down versus bottom-up in my algorithms course what that means in development. Really? Yeah, it would probably take too long to go into it, but basically it's about efficiencies and about like if you had something—if you had something recursive that you like broke it down—and let's say you ran into the same. Um, uh, process multiple times as you broke it down in the tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then the first time you run into it, if you're doing top down, then you save it, and then and you then, call it, and again. then you call it again, and you keep calling it as you go down the chain. Yeah, yeah, you you can do so. It's a very a much less so, but like you can use um, like there are things in a web page because so p so like WordPress it's all templated based, so PHP is like a templating language. Okay, so you call like XML. I don't know. XML is basically HTML. Oh, maybe then yes. For XML, you can have any tag. You can make up tags. Okay, then sure. Uh, But like in PHP, so like you have like when you build a WordPress site, you have a header file that you load on the page first, and then you have a footer and a and a page PHP. But they're they're pieces and parts, so that you can do so. But then there are things that you load in the header versus things that you load in the footer to make the web page load certain ways so like if there's something that you only call like if you load like i i call a lot of like the facebook api that we call it you call it the footer because you only call it once 
there's no point in slowing everything oh, else on the page. So it's literally top down, like oh yeah, no. it's procedural. Well, because everything in the because everything in a is in the DOM, so everything is drawn from the top down. Got it. Uh, well, I mean that's how programming. I mean you've used JavaScript, but that's how programming languages yeah. work. You start at the top. So JavaScript, which I miss some parts of JavaScript when using C sharp and Unity, because JavaScript is um what's the word? It's um <coughs> not asymmetric, but it's uh. It can run multiple processes at the same time. Yeah. So in C sharp, you have to do what's you have to call coroutines. Yeah. And coroutines are like special functions that can run at the same time as the rest of your uh, software. But so you specify those. I suppose they're like, like yeah, they're yeah. like they're not called they're I enumerators. They're mm -hmm. not functions. So if I need something that's going to pause in time, like mm -hmm. there's a function for. Um, stopping for a certain amount of time, which I use a lot. So like that thing on the nightlife start screen where it fades up, mm -hmm. basically I'm changing the transparency every like 10th of a second. And then I say, wait, all right, now bring the transparency up a little bit more. Now wait and bring the transparency up a little more Then wait. Really? Yeah. That's how that works. See, I would have thought there would have been like a, just a built in unity feature to go from scene to scene and they would have had a fade in. There might be, there might be, or there might be like, Plugins or something. Yeah, that's probably where where most of that stuff is. But I've never messed with plugins, mostly because I'm still wrapping my head around the the, the core man, stuff. If you like to do all that stuff. Um, but I mean, it's not that difficult. It's like five lines, but yeah. um, it's just a loop. It's just a for loop. Do this this many times. Right. Um, but uh, that's funny. I'm so used to just like CSS. Animate fade done. Yeah, that's the thing. But that thing that's calling a function somewhere. One well, jQuery has one too. Yeah, like there's on, a library. Page load for fade. Someone wrote. Yeah, but someone else wrote it. I have to use it. But when it's five lines, who cares? But like, so it so JavaScript can call those things anywhere. <coughs> yeah. Like you can, you know you can do that, but in C sharp, since it's um procedural, since it's a procedural programming language, it has to. It has to have special, basically pockets or modules where it's it can it can it can run that separately while it's running the rest of the thing. Another thing is it in JavaScript you can access um, specific parts of a um, of attributes in the object. So like every object, every game object in Unity has an x, y, and z coordinate, right? Mm -hmm. In JavaScript, you can access a game object's specific x coordinate and edit it in the programming language. In um, C sharp, you have to create a new two D or three D vector of oh. coordinates, and then you have to assign it to the coordinates of the game object. You can't access the x coordinate. You have to access all the coordinates and edit them all at once. And then oh well. So it's like that sounds terrible. So for a regular game object in JavaScript, it'd be game object dot, you know, transform right dot position dot x right, and then equals twenty three. But for that, for C sharp, it's game object dot transform dot position equals new vector three, you know, and then twenty three eighty four zero. That's the same thing for color. So when I had that, and I didn't know this, um, but now I do. When I had to edit the transparency, it's an alpha value. So mm -hmm. it's RGB and then alpha. Mm -hmm. I can't edit the alpha value directly. I have to call, you know, renderer.material.color 
equals new color and then just tell it to keep the same red, blue, and green value and then just edit the yeah, alpha over and over. And then what's it just loop through over and over? Yep. I got it. That's pretty cool. And then how's it going to stop? Oh, it's just a loop. It's a for loop. Oh, you uh, you specify how it loops. Yeah. Well, um, and now thinking about this, I have it just set as a stupid int value. So like, do this a hundred times, or I should just do it. Do this until the alpha equals that's what I was one. Thinking. I was like, yeah, because you can have a loop until you have a, like a, until it's a thing okay. satisfied. Yeah. Because I've done that where like I had to loop through. If you have like a, a thing where like a user can dynamically add stuff. And you have to loop through until you just keep looping through and finding new items in a list until there's no until you hit the same item again. Uh huh. And that means it's time to stop. But much less complicated than what you're doing. So programming. We <laughs> wait. When do when did we talk about Siren Roth? Ah, the wow, video is good. Go watch that. It is good. It's good. And I think it, I think that we we I think what what we want to get out of the podcast is you and I to hash out a lot of what we want to get done and I think making that transparent too is pretty cool yeah I and I also that. think it's kind of cool that it'll be an archive of what our thought process was day one and day ten and you know god we were so smart back then or god we were so stupid back then we were so idealistic I wish we'd just release a game <laughs> ten years um, later still haven't done anything I don't no promise. we're gonna have something um you been playing anything lately uh, I played a lot Play a lot of Rocket League. Rocket League. Let, let, let's wait on Rocket League. Why? Um, well, because Rocket League, I feel like, is going to be an extensive conversation. What? And I want to. No, uh-huh. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Okay, okay. But, so I finished Shadow Mordor. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, which I have no um, interest in going back. Not as light and base as a narrative thread there was in that game, it was still a narrative thread, and that's what kind of kept me going. It's like okay, there is there there's things influencing this, but if it's just me running around the world collecting like the little artifacts and stuff, and just redoing the same power struggles I just did, like as a whole much sway because I already did it. Mm-hmm. Like okay, I know what it means to brand people unless I go and brand literally every captain and then sit them all as war chief and then just collect them into an area and then blow up all their heads. That's what I like did. that's I mean I didn't beat the game, but I did that. Well, I beat the game. You didn't beat the game? No. How far did you get? I mean, you got I, to the second I had area. Just gotten the second area. You had just gotten there? Yeah. And then what? You just fucked around? Uh, I got the... Uh, you got the brand? The brand, and I got the possessing thing, so I just made everyone mine. Okay. But I spent a lot of time doing that. Okay. Um. So do you want me to tell you how it ends? Because that's what I was going to talk about. Mm, you're going to go back to it. Then, no, right? I'm going to go back to it. Okay. I just bought it for PC. So. It's on sale <sighs> for like six bucks. Oh. Six bucks? Yeah. Holy shit. Or it might have been like 10. It was cheap. It was cheap enough that it was like, I could, I won't eat lunch today. I'll just buy this instead. Huh. So, I bought Transformers Fall for Cybertron. Fall Cybertron too. That was actually six bucks. Okay. So, I did that. Um, the So, I will say this about the ending. I won't say specifics. But, um, it's, it's not very good. It's okay. Um, and not to color... All right, all right, just give you, know, you impressionable mind. I got it, I got it. I did, you're not going to hurt my feelings about it. It's not going to change. Well, you, don't like, you don't like Lord of the Rings, nope. so it doesn't matter. Did you even care about the setting? Mm-hmm. No, I don't like orcs as enemies. I think they're dumb. Do you? I do like how violent it is. Do you, I love that. Have you seen the movies? I've seen the first two. Okay. Never mind. 
Um, I kind of like I got the guy. He made the fucking ring, and he's pissed, and his family died. I can get the vibe. It's it's all. I mean, the, you sound like Sauron's family died. And all that's the, why he got pissed. All the peasants' it. families look the same. There's one woman, and the dwarf. I like the dwarf. The dwarf was cool. The dwarf was cool. I like how the dwarf doesn't have a. I did the big game hunting thing for oh, him. Oh, you did all that. That was awesome. That was pretty cool. I like. I thought. I always liked dwarves. I always liked dwarves. Dave the dwarf. Was that my D and D character? Yeah. yeah. God, he was cool too. He was a bard. Dwarves always rock. Dwarves are cool. So what you're gonna see, you're 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 ending. So it's you know, a lot of people kind of shit talk that story and like, oh, it's just. I mean, it's. What do you mean? It doesn't like get in the way. It doesn't get in the way, but it doesn't break new ground. Like it does interesting things, but it doesn't go anywhere with it. Like he, yeah. he, quote unquote, like Talion's supposed to like kind of develops a like affection for the woman, the braided hair woman. Can't blame him. Um, and stuff like that, and that's interesting. Uh, but it doesn't really go anywhere because like, uh, Celebrimbor tells him not to do anything. It's like think about your wife and kids. And Calibrimbor, like, you're always waiting for the other hat, the, you know, the other shoe to drop. Like, oh, he's actually the ultimate villain or something mm. like that. Because, you know, he has very malice tendencies and things like that. I don't know. It's just, it's... Oh, I did like that he could teleport with his ghost. <laughs> my, uh... You know, my, my creative writing professor this summer talked about how, you know... You know, we think of, you know, every day we think of, of interesting, you know, settings or, or characters and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make a story. Like, these characters don't make a story. And it doesn't help that Talion is a traditional, brooding, brooding, white male lead. Like, I mean. one always says that. I don't think if he was black, he'd still be brooding. No, I'm not. That's, I'm not. You're saying black people don't brood. No, that's how I'm saying. Asian people. Indian people. Native American people. Mm, no, they don't brood. But um, have you seen Last of the Mohicans? No. Neither have I. Um, no, but hold on. I want to see something to that point, though. Okay. Well, I think that... I'll finish your point, and then I'll tell you my point. Well, to the white male lead thing, like, I bring that up because, like, yes, he was a hero of Gondor, and all these, you know, people of Gondor, you know, are white, and they're rangers and all that stuff. It was just... I'm not saying that, you know him being white was a bad thing or shouldn't have been, you know, or, you know, him being male is like, it's just, that wasn't a, that wasn't a narrative choice. That wasn't a creative choice. That was just a default hero here. And yeah. He, and he fits in the world and that's fine. It's just, that's the point I was trying to make by including white and male. It's just that. Oh, I was just giving a hard time. Um, See, the thing is, though, is that I had no... I think that what you're saying is, is you're right, that the story was enough to pull you through it. But I think that the, the mechanics of just that whole system... Oh, and I loved it. Right. It's, it does so much for me making my own narrative. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's... The, no, you're right. I'm not saying you're not saying that. I'm saying, though, that I think that a cooler... The next step, for, whatever the next step for that could be, is... We know the player is going to have this sense of control. A, eventually we need to turn that on his head. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and all of a sudden either make him a pawn of a larger system and then just completely blow their fucking mind. They're like, you, you think you're in control? Because that's the one that you can always do. You can always give control and take away control. 
as a as a game designer. Um, and then two, they're the personalities of the orcs was really cool. I just think that they could have done more as like having them do activities that were related to their person. Not like a thing, you know, like they're not gonna play bingo because <laughs> or gosh, the bingo player, but like it's casual Fridays. Well, it would have been cool to like like you could have done like dynamic bases where like there were certain assets tied with like like give six personality groups and then of those you broke up like random maps like kind of like a diablo tile based system okay so that like all of a sudden the environments reflected their personality and then their their staff reflected their personality well and and you bring you made me think of something else that's interesting it's like and they did this you know it was easy to do this because they were orcs it wouldn't have been easy to do i mean they did this for batman arkham knight too but like an orc is not a real is you know says you doesn't really have personality like they're all going to be evil. They're just inherently evil. Why is a thug in Batman just inherently evil? And you said they that, say it on the radio. And you and you brought up. I know we're the bad guys. <laughs> and you brought up an interesting point. It was like, why in Batman did they? The, is there not a point where they let you play as a thug? And then you can explore what that means. What does it mean to be just one of these crooks on the street? I mean, I don't even want to explore that. I think that that's cool, but I think what I want to, exp- I, I would do that personality swap the same way that in film you have every once in a while the hero will come in 15 minutes into the movie and you're following a different kid it's like it's like a trope or like you follow someone else that you see the hero from their perspective and all of a sudden they're on a way higher scale it's like the alien and alien isolation is the scariest alien ever been in the game right because just one of it right so imagine if there was an alien isolation sequence or if an alien isolation for just 10 minutes you play as the alien. After playing as the girl for so long, all of a sudden you feel like you're hyper powerful. So it's the opposite where like in Batman you're always just this you're you're just on well, It's like the it's like the the scene in Mass Effect 2 where he plays Joker. Right. And you're trying to escape the ship. Right. Or but I just think it'd be really cool to be a thug and be in a room and you don't know Batman's there, and all of a sudden you just hear like a scream, and then you turn around and your friend's hanging there, and you could orchestrate all this just by like generic like breakpoints in the world. Like right. you could totally make turn this, a corner this this haunted house hallway essentially. But all of a sudden, what you do as Batman is way more badass because as long as he follows all the same rules that you follow as you play him, but also like it makes the thugs way less disposable. Because all of a sudden this fear mechanic, if you feel it personally, even briefly, it's what I think that'd be way cooler. I was thinking it interesting. Like, I like that idea, but I was also thinking it interesting, like, you know, like I was saying that the Do you villains, think the thugs brush their teeth? They don't give a shit. Okay. They wear juggalo paint. That's true. Um, I just think it's interesting if you played as a thug, it was like, what are, you know, you know, what is this guy's motivation? Like, what does he want to do? Like, does he have a family? Is he just trying to support them? What is he doing? Like, um, David Robbins, one of the books he just wrote um, was about rhino poaching in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And so basically the eastern side of South Africa is just the entire, like, re- uh, like rhino reservation. Mm-hmm. And so these troopers or, you know, preservation... I don't know what they're called. Like the people, like they're like 
Mounties or whatever, mm -hmm. like rangers, they have to patrol this entire like eastern border mm -hmm. to see if people from other countries hop the border, kill the rhinos, poach them for their horns, and then go and sell them on black markets. And if a ranger finds a group of these poachers out in the wild and they're like however many hours out from the next city or town or whatever, and it's him versus them, he's going to fucking kill them. Mm -hmm. And... You know, and some of these poachers are people that come from other parts of Africa that can't support their families for whatever reason. And so they come over because this is the only work they can find and they, you know, kill these rhinos and they get paid for it. And David Robbins, um, one of my creative writing professors, he, you know, when he was over there and he was, he was learning about this stuff, he asked one of the, you know, chief rangers or whoever asking them was like, well, why, why don't you just arrest them or why don't you like... Like, these people are just trying to support their families. And the response was, because for every one of them, there's a hundred or a thousand people in the other country who isn't trying to come over here and kill these right... They're just trying to cash in quickly. Yeah. yeah. They are, like, you know... And I just think that's interesting, like, balancing that. It was, like, looking at a criminal at that perspective, like, they're not inherently, like absolved of all their wrongdoing but you know it's an interesting or it adds humanity to it and, it and you could do even like a little thing like a a a wink or a glance at like he has a wallet with a kid's photo in it like you could do it really quickly you know you beating the shit out of him and he's unconscious no 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 like, I, like you it opens um like it pulls into the guard and or like a passing conversation of like it's near Christmas time or something. You could do a really quick aside that would add that gravity to these right. characters that just doesn't need them. Or they don't need them. You no. Know? I mean, I guess not. Like, it doesn't really, I mean. It'd be cool, though. I just, you know, I think. But, like, they have all those radio chats. Like, you listen into them all the time. Well, some, of them, some of them in Arkham Knight, they do kind of say, like, I know we're the bad guys, but this is fucked up. Right. You know, I think but that's kind of close to that's that. Kind of, but that's like, that doesn't make them a rounded human being it's like why are there so many criminals and you know i think that they're they're Gotham. that maybe in my mind like that the, the batman series it's a power fantasy i get right it. I, I think that what i was trying to execute with the being more afraid of what batman is is just propping up that power fantasy but what you're saying would be cool i mean i from what I've heard, I know Watch Dogs doesn't do a lot of things right, but it probably comes closer in that regard. But also, you're, you're playing as... Aiden Pierce. Basically someone that is just... I'm talking about stupid names. Destroying people's privacy. Yeah. Who needs privacy? What else have you been playing? Um, I played like five minutes of Just Cause 2, and I was like, mm, no. I got through like the opening section, and... It just doesn't control well. Like, I got in the yeah, car, little, yeah. and the car is just, like, flying everywhere. Just gonna start blowing stuff up and use that grappling hook. It's, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of Mercenaries 2, and not in a good way. Like, if it, mm -hmm. it has a lot of the jank. Yeah. Mercenaries I didn't like how Mercenaries 2 controlled. I like Just Cause 2 more. But Mercenaries 2, I was so excited for, and it just wasn't... It, I didn't have this sense of control that I wanted. I think Just Cause had a better... Sense of control, and I think Saints Row is probably even the next step of like yeah. listing all the games that have like the exa exact same like 
stilted kind of control problems. Like, I think Red Faction Gorilla could kind of go in there. Mm. Yeah. I like how Red Faction Gorilla controls. I think I do. I, I mean, I enjoy playing that game. I'm curious if if I ever went back to it, I would still. I love the animation on the hammer swing. Oh. It was... It was so good. Just hit one of those faceless guards just right in the midsection. And oh, like, and they crumple the right way. Feel their spine. And they, that's a game where they do the camera thing, where the camera speeds up and slows down. They have oh. swing. Okay. Um. Anything else you play? Rocket League. Rocket League. I like Rocket League a whole bunch. Rocket League. That's all I've played this week, pretty much. It's a lot of fun. Rocket League. Reminds me of the heady days where I'd play a lot of online games. But it's interesting now because I can't play more than three or four matches in a sitting. Like, I'm like, alright, I need to go do something productive and all. Well, it's kind of funny how we, the learning curve on Rocket League, we started together. Me, you, and my other roommate. And we played for about six hours straight. And I think that every game we were learning more and more. And yeah. I think now that you and I are probably both to a point where we feel pretty comfortable with the tools that we have at hand, and now it's a refining. You learn ninety percent of a lot of sports your first week doing them. You know what I mean? Sport. I say sports loosely, like games. Okay. Um, I was I was immediately thinking about rowing. I was like, okay, I I can I can rock that. Rowing is like we, when we coach rowing, we coach that you're gonna learn in the first twelve weeks of rowing, you're gonna learn ninety percent of the sport. Um, and then you're going to spend the next decade of your life refining the last 10%. <laughs> Finding all the flaws. Which I think is a lot of anything that's worth competing at has that similar barrier of entry, but that 10% buys you a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, so when we first started playing Rocket League, Tim kept telling me, your roommate, he was like, you have to jump. Why aren't you jumping? Because I, just, I just had all ground movement. I was afraid to jump. Like, was the I, first time, I embraced jumping. That was the first one. time I ever, like... You're, you're afraid of jumping in real life, though. Like, don't lie to yourself. I'm a, yeah, I'm kind of afraid of heights. I went to Jumpology, a big trampoline place. I've been to Jumpology. No, we both have been to Jumpology. I went for Kavya's graduation. Oh, that's right. You were there. I forgot that. Um, and you guys were like, touch touch that sandbag. I love that. It was on the ceiling, and I never touched it, and I think it was mostly nerves. Yeah. Did you ever jump off Richmond Dock? No. Uh, How high up is Richmond Dock? You've seen Richmond Dock. Yeah, but I have no... Was it 15 feet up? Probably two or three stories. Really? It's at least... I mean, it'd be like jumping out my window right now. Okay. It's a little higher than my windows. I didn't know that. That's not that far. It's not that far. Well, have you ever jumped up like a big like rock or anything? Like high up? No, not really. I'm, I'm from the beach, man. Where are there big rocks on the beach? Piers. I jumped off the pier. I've never jumped off the pier. Uh-huh. We're going to jump off the pier and then you're going to get 50 fish hooks embedded in you. Um, I'm afraid of heights too, though. But I, I, I jump off of it in order to, like, conquer. Like, fuck you, fear. Like, when I'm, like, bungee jumping, that was so scary. Oh, really? Yeah. I want to go skydiving, but it's just because I want to be like, you know what, I'm not that afraid of heights. Or well, there was a time we were on... Let's get a roller coasters. Uh, I don't... I haven't really been on many. I don't know if it's just out of fear or out of, like... No, it's stupid. But see, like, I think I don't like roller coasters because I have no control over what happens. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, a roller coaster falling apart. No, I don't mind that. Terrifying. I just don't like being, like, when I jump, it's me jumping. Okay, just completely, you know, tell me my fears are worthless. Well, I don't think a roller coaster's going to fall apart. I mean, it's not worthless. It's you just... heard those things? All right, all right, I'm sorry. Well, we've been on the top of my apartment, my old apartment, staying on the roof. That was freaky. 
And then your girlfriend was. I don't mind. Tipsy hanging I don't off mind of it. me being at the top. I don't. I didn't care for all the inebriated other people. Yeah. When you when you Tim and I went up the first time, that was funny. Yeah, I'm Tim's terrified of heights. Anyways, Rocket League. Rocket League. I'm ter- terrified of heights. I think there's a lot. There's a lot right in that game. I think the the big debate that I've been seeing going on is, should there be different courses? Oh, like all one field. Should there be like different, structured differently? Yeah. Should there be a circular one? Should there be a? And I'm on the hard. No, there shouldn't. I think it should be a one. So like Dota, one map. One map. It's not like Dota. It's like a soccer field. There's one soccer field. There's one tennis court. You know? Yeah, but like, even though it's a soccer ball, it's not necessarily like doesn't have to be completely parallel to soccer. Like rugby, no, field I'm not. is circular. No, no, no. I'm saying though that the, what's interesting about Rocket League is that you get better within these constraints. Yes. You know what I mean? And like, if you add a circular field or if you add variances to the other elements, it becomes more like a shooter or more like a. It takes away from. You have the, to adapt your strategy. Right. It takes away from what I like, whereas, like, I can get good and my skills can apply every time. You know, it, I don't want to have to accommodate for jumps. I don't want to accommodate for ramps. You know? If anything, you. the thing that I think would be cool is to add more mechanics. They would encourage more teamwork. If anything, it'd be cool. Unlimited boost. Well, you can do that. Well, they, they're, they're going to add the mutators. They're going to do stuff like that. Like, you turn the gravity down and stuff. Oh, right. But I think, like... I'm thinking, like... What they add to the game, basically, is fine. But I'm thinking, like, what they add to, like, ranked play. And I think... One thing that I think would be really cool is if you added variants to the cars that encourage teamwork. So, like, you could have a ramp car. And then as a team, so you get in front of someone, right? And then you go coordinate off them boosting up. That'd know? be cool. And then all of a sudden, three you have a three car. mean something, right? Or you could have like a real like a or a car that like can't double jump, but it can jump really high straight up or something. I don't know. Or you can go farther. Or you can go faster. Yeah, you know. And then all of a sudden, because the one thing it's missing is that it's got an even playing field, but now there's no like it'd be cool to have like specialty players like, like you, you want to add like an rp like rpg stuff into it like how you have a loadout mm. in call of duty no more like you have like player roles like you have a quarterback in football and you have linemen and you have well those are like players. self-assigned though i don't think you need like we we're talking about the same like that's a loadout like you pick like if you start yeah, up sure. battlefield like there's a medic loadout right, right. Well, team then, fortress in that case yeah i think you can have classes you to kind of rework the game but i think that i would Anything to force, like the heavy medic pairing in Team Fortress is a really cool concept because it takes two people and combined, they're incredibly powerful. Yeah. On their own, they are, anyone paired with the medic is already, is just better. Even the sniper the medic is better. But on their, on, on his own, he's kind of not the most, he's there to support the team. Yeah. And I always love those characters. I think those are the most fun. Like, yeah, when yeah, I, when I play WoW, I liked being a... Uh, a healer? No. I like being a shaman that can throw out stuff to like... Oh, you like the buffing? Or like as a warrior, I like buffing. You're like shouting. Or paladin. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Let me yawn. Um, but yeah. I like... My favorite part about Rocket League is how it's... I mean, I told you this before, but it's so easy to fuck up. Right, it's a high risk reward, man. It's so amazing. Like you could be, you know, you 
have played a thousand games in one and have like a you know whatever 0.8 win ratio and still like even just miss that ball so easily just because your thumbstick just went a little bit to the left and I've done that so many times just on kickoff just like I went up I boosted I where I double jump and then like completely missed the ball it's like complete open shot like didn't even tap the ball and like straight in I'm like well juke it out that's that's all on me and I like that there is a sense of like you we talked about this earlier that like you get momentum where like you're just honed in and you're you're just doing everything right. Yeah. And then if you get fucked up, it, like it just all goes away. Yeah. And it's like that's not a you can't you can't design that, which is cool. They've they've made a system where like all of a sudden it matters how you're playing it. Not there's no meter. It's like you're focusing and time slows down. Like it's all relying on what you're inputting and what it's outputting. Yeah. Which is super cool and just really well, really well done input mechanics and so i was playing three on three originally and then you would tell me about one-on-one so i just switched to rank one on one and that's all i've been playing now. that's all i'm playing and, and then tim and i play rank v2v2 okay and um i love i was telling you this about hearthstone but i love seeing when different strategies emerge mm-hmm. so you'll get the guy like you'll run up to the t and there's a guy just sits at the goal so he's waiting for you to hit it, so he can just hit it back, and then mm-hmm. it just goes straight in your goal. So what you do is, initially you boost, and then you have to watch their cursor. If their cursor is approaching the ball, then you just slam into that fucker. If they're sitting at the goal, you come around and you swipe, side swipe it, so it still goes on their side of the field, but it's not going to go straight into them for them to just kick it back. So you have a very different strategy, where I know that I always go straight into the, I always go for the first touch. Because I think that you get a certain amount of control if you're the first one to hit the ball. Because then you dictate the pace of what happens next. I rarely, like most of the time, when I hit that, when we both hit the ball, I go in the exact opposite direction the ball goes. Really? Yeah, and he always, and then the opponent always gets, like, to first control over it. Oh, I always slam into it and then do the backspin to kill all my speed so that I can react. To oh, I always ball. jump into it. No, I jump into it first, but then I, I land and do a backspin to be. Well, a lot of times I'll go into the air. Really? Yeah. Off the ball? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Weird! Yeah. But I think there's a lot more that I want to know about Rocket League. Well, what's something that's interesting to me about it is how they assign these um, the points, like the extra points. Because there's a save, like, you know, you'll get the save. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's an Back epic pedal. save. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. Shot on goal. Yeah, and I'm specifically the save and the epic save is how they... I think it's the speed that you approach the ball. Is it the speed or is it the distance or how close the ball is to the goal? Ooh, it might be like a, it might be a, or a combination. Because the epic save might be because I think the only time I've gotten an epic save is when I love coming out of nowhere. Oh yeah! Like I can just imagine the other person's just mm-hmm. sense of shock. There was a time I went up the wall and came straight down on top of my goal, and he took a shot, and I just boom, just immediately. Just, and that was the only time I got an epic save, and that is so satisfying. That's that's a pretty epic save. Yeah. Someone's actually watching all the games and just deciding save or epic save. <laughs> they have actual n- announcers. His eyes are like being held open like a clockwork orange. He's <laughs> ah! just dying. Dying. I like Rocket, I like me some Rocket League. Rocket League, um, I think, is also a product of iteration. Yeah. Because they made a, a mm-hmm. game before that. Yep. Have you played that game? Nope. 
What's it called? Supersonic Acrobatic Battle Cars. I wonder how close it is to this game. Oh, look, I look at the videos for it. It's pretty close. Yeah. I think that a lot of what they were fine was they stripped out all the extra courses. They, um... Hint, hint. I think the controls... I think the... I don't know if the ball cam was part of the first one. But I think the ball cam... Whatever... That's an insane feat. Whatever they... However they did that... However they're tracking it? Well, and just... They... It, someone put a lot of thought into where the camera needs to swing and how fast it needs to swing. Well, you also, like, if you go into, like, the, the replay mode and you, like, switch between, like, the overhead cam and then, like, mm-hmm. player cam, your car is, like, literally on the bottom of the screen. Like, there is no extra space between your back bumper and, like, grass. Like, right. your back bumper now, is the cars, touching the, the bezel. The cars that are really low to the ground just are halfway in the ground. Um, what I'm saying is, like, it keeps a lot of visibility open right. for the rest of the uh, map. Um, there's a lot, there's, like, I think like a, a, a uh, case study on, like, just really tight control design, though. Like, everything's your fault, not the game's fault. It's... Except for occasionally when you, the camera spins out, but you can swap out of it really easily. Yeah. So I think that was smart. Yeah. That's a confusing part. It's like, the ball is high enough, and you're driving. I always switch to the main cam when the ball's in the air, and I watch where it's going to drop. So okay. that I can angle into it. Because, like, I'll sometimes not realize which way my car's pointing, so I'll right. be hitting the gas, and I'll be going away from the ball. But still, just the the amount, of, like, I never think that there's something, that's always my fault yeah. when something goes wrong. But, like, I'll be playing, like, FIFA or Madden or something, and I'm just, I have no idea what what count. I, I hate sports games. Well, no, you don't. You like Rocket League. It's a sports game. Yeah, but... Do you like Mario Soccer? It's a sports game. It's like a party game. I like Tiger Woods. The old Tiger Woods games. Nope. I like NFL Blitz. Okay. Well, you like sports games. I like a sports game. I think that you just don't aren't a big sports fan. No, I'm not. So that I don't like, understand. Uh, contribute. But I don't like basketball games, and I love basketball, so... I just don't understand watching sports. I don't get it. Would you watch Rocket League? No. Well, I mean, I watched that. I watched, like, those crazy trick shot videos. Like, that's cool. But you don't... I don't think... I don't know. I don't know how to explain the... Like, I don't... Yeah, I don't understand the appeal of observational... But, like, I'll watch rowing. And rowing is the least photogenic sport on the earth. But that's because I can appreciate rowing. But I think that's why a lot of people appreciate sports. Like, I, I appreciate... No, I think a lot of people watch sports because they live vicariously through the people. That are playing the sport? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I think also it's it's a celebration of, like, athleticism. And, like, a, these people are just very talented physically. And I think, that, you know... Maybe you just have a bad stereotype of sports watchers. Maybe. I mean, it's... it's, it's that's, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know why... I didn't like watching sports growing up. Yeah, also, my family wasn't big on watching sports. Oh, mine was. Mine's huge on it. Like, my dad will sit down and watch football and then pretend to know what's going on, and then he'll, like, call someone and be like, hey, I'm watching the games, and yeah, I'm a Raiders fan. What? No, I'm a Packers fan. Well, I think that some people like the idea. I think you're right. Some people like the idea of watching sports, but, like, I just like... Like, I love basketball. Like, Yeah, I mean, I like competition. I like seeing that, and I like seeing people really into it. So, like, I'll... Did you watch any Evo? I didn't watch any Evo. Mm, yes. I watched the finals of the... Uh, the one where the kid put the controller down. Uh-oh. Oh, where it unplugged? <laughs> no, no, no. One kid thought he had won. Oh, I heard about that! He stood up. What game was that? It was, was Zerd. Was it Street Fighter? No, it was Guilty Gear Zerd. Oh, okay. 
So that was funny. Yeah, that's uh, man. I like uh, and I I follow that RVA Fight Club, which is the RVA fighting game scene. Okay, okay, was it sure? Uh, it first. And they're pretty cool. They're funny. They talk a lot of shit. I like that. I like trash talking a lot. Mm. Oh, they're pretty cool. I like um, you know, I watch the Olympics. I like the Olympics. Right. I but, think I think that you just haven't found a sport that you like watching. Bowling, man. I think that I think that if you can appreciate rowing, it's it's not that you don't like watching sports. It's just that you you don't have a lot with popular sport that you can relate with. Well, it's like I was kind of talking to you before. I don't I don't like being classified. I wouldn't want to be classified as a sports watcher because I have bad connotations. I don't want to be classified. But you you so desperately want to be classified as a writer. And you so want to be... Yeah, because I have good opinions of writers. Or I have a good, but like, the, stereotype of writers. Not, it's not... You don't want to be classified. It's just that you want to be in control of what you're classified as. Which is fine. Yes. That's... I think that's everyone. I don't... You know. But I think that... By no means do you not want to be classified. I don't think I get anything of it. That's fair. That's a fair argument. Um... <laughs> I'm not, like, putting you in a... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, no, this is me in a nutshell. No, that's not what I meant. Just like I want to be, uh... The very best? Yeah. Like no one ever was? Yeah. Catch them is my real test. Can you sing the whole thing? Train them is my cause. Can you sing it out? Travel across the land and then searching for my... At least Pokemon. Oh, I'm saying it. The power that's inside Pokemon. 